Well, hey, thanks for joining us for episode two of Ecclesia, a journey through the book of Acts. I'm joined once again with Mike and Rich as we're going to be tackling a fun topic today called the essentials of yeah. salvation because yeah. the book of Acts is actually, it, it hits on a lot of the stuff that are important to what does the salvation of a believer look like? Yeah. But before and we dive into it. it over and over again. You do? Yeah. Yeah. But before we dive into it, mm-hmm. once again, I'm a student pastor. I have to have fun. It's my thing. So here's my would you rather for today. Would you rather lose your sense of taste or lose your sense of smell? You have a flashbacks from COVID <laughs> yeah. where I lost both. Where you lost and both hated and hated it. Do, do you have a sense of taste without a sense of smell? Medically? I don't. I think Should we not be going that so, deep into this question? I don't know if we need to go that deep, but I will say <laughs> since COVID for me, I have a very dull sense of smell now. I can't mm. smell uh, smells unless they're incredibly strong. Uh, as I once did. Does that help? Yeah, it helps in some regards, but uh, I still can taste food just fine. Huh. Okay, yeah. I may answer that question then. Lose sense of smell or sense of taste? I think I'd rather lose my sense of smell because that's usually negative. <laughs> that's usually negative. <laughs> when you pick that up, you yeah. know? <laughs> Good point. You won't so. smell somebody's feet from a mile away, you know? Right, and yeah. if somebody actually has feet for hands, oh yeah, like that's a you asked back. last week, then, yeah. you know... we. That's good. Yeah, for me, it would have to be have to be my smell as well because food just tastes too good. And if, like, <laughs> I could never taste chocolate cake again, I would be sad. Although, you know, probably if we couldn't taste it, we might actually eat only things that are good for us. You know, that's probably true. <laughs> Still going with smell, though. Still going with smell, <laughs> yeah. Still going with smell. All righty. So, hey, I want to recap from the Sunday morning because the Sunday morning that we just had, the message was from a passage of Scripture in Acts 2. And I want to read that real quick here. It's why I have my iPad front and center. It says this. It says, Therefore, let all of Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you who will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord God, our God, will call. With many other words he warned them, and he pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted the message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Now this takes place right after the Holy Spirit, right, has entered into the hearts of the apostles and and like great tongues of fire, scripture says, descends upon them. And Peter goes out and he preaches this incredible message, right? It's called the day of Pentecost. And he preaches to tons of people. And this is how it wraps up. He cuts them to the heart with the power of the Holy Spirit, telling them all of this. Yeah, because the people who had crucified Jesus, who were actually literally physically there when he was crucified. Right. That's who he's talking to. Absolutely. So when he says you just crucified the son of God, it it was really them. Yeah, and it freaks (laughs) them out a little bit. Oh, I think it freaks them out a lot. Yeah, uh, enough that they're like cut to the heart and they want to get baptized and they take that next step for salvation. But uh, I want to hear from Rich for a second because Mike, you spoke on this passage yesterday. Yep. Rich, what does this passage mean for us as Christ followers today? Well, there's a ton in there um, just about the, the, the whole fulfillment of this promise that, that Israel has waited for from, from Genesis 
12 to, to then, uh, it was the culmination. It was uh, the next step. Um, and it's interesting. He says, Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. Mm. Um, in, in one of the books that our elders are going through uh, on theology, uh, it talks about uh, the, the role of, of Jesus as king. Mm-hmm. Mm. And um, it, it, he's, P- Peter is making sure they get that this is not just a figurehead. This is who you submit to. Mm-hmm. And that, that very first presentation of the gospel message, you know, when we talked last week about um, what's the importance uh, of Luke and Acts to the church, well, this kind of helps us start to establish the how do you do church. So when you preach the gospel message, um, what, what's an appropriate response? Brothers, what must we do to be saved? Yeah. I mean, because they see all of the things that have happened from the crucifixion and right after the crucifixion, right? The, the temple, the, the, the curtain is torn from the top to the bottom. They, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that's and happening. people coming out. Yeah, people are seeing the stuff, and, and they're shaking. Jerusalem is still kind of lit. Yeah. And they In hear this. In a first century way, not a 21st yeah. century way. Thank okay. you. Yeah. Context is Context. Context is important. Right? It's really important. <laughs> but, you know, all of this stuff is going on, and there's, there's a lot of, of wrestling with the realities of what they've seen and heard. Mm. And they hear this message that Peter speaks under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and they get it. The light comes on. The Holy Spirit is moving, drawing people in, launching the establishment of the church. W- what must we do to be saved? And so yeah. that first gospel message is accompanied with the, the response. Repent and be baptized, every mm. one of you. And so it helps us understand um, a, an appropriate response to the gospel message. Yeah. Wow, that's good. An appropriate response to the gospel message. Uh, and kind of our whole topic today is about that response of the gospel message, this, this response of desiring to be saved, right? Mm-hmm. And when we get into this conversation of salvation, uh, a big thing will come up for people who begin to study it is, what are the essentials for salvation? And so before we dive into what we would say are essentials for salvation here at MCC, I want to start with the context of what do we mean when we say essential for salvation? Yeah. Essential means uh, if you don't have this, you're not saved. Mm. You have to have this. Uh, there may be some other things, but this is the stuff. If you don't have this that's essential, you're not saved. Yeah. So... Which, by the way, it's interesting to me. I'm usually not asked that by someone who's never been to, you know, uh, someone who's not coming from another church. Yeah. Usually it's someone coming from another church that asks this question. People who are making a first-time decision for Jesus, they just want to know. Yeah. What do we do here? So, uh, which I think, you know, ties into, and I'm sure we're going to get to this, when, when, uh, when Paul writes to the church in Ephesus, you know, um, he says we are saved by grace through faith. Mm. And uh, uh, and so it's not by works. Anything that you've done, uh, it's, a, it's a gift from God so that no one can boast. And it's interesting, by grace through faith. Uh, yeah. The preacher I had growing up used to tell us that faith is belief plus action. So when you read the, whole, when you book, read the book of Hebrews, specifically Hebrews 11, and you find out about the heroes of our faith, 
Yeah. By faith they did this. By faith they did that. Faith is never just mental assent. Faith mm. is always accompanied by an action that shows you actually believe that. Yeah. Uh, and so when we say grace, you know, we're saved by grace. So obviously that's what's essential. The grace of Jesus. Jesus is essential for salvation. Yeah. Uh, but our response, there's a response with our faith. If we really believe that. Right. There's a response that follows. That's what you were just saying happened in, you know, in Acts chapter two. Sure. It's mm-hmm. good. Uh, so with that thought process, right, that the essential for salvations are the things that are essential to be saved, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the things that are most needed to be saved. What would we here at MCC say is essential for salvation? Don't well, lead pastor. Yeah, I would, <laughs> I, I would again say uh, the grace of Jesus is what is essential. Mm-hmm. Without that, nothing else happens. Uh, and our faith in him is based on what he did at the cross and in the empty tomb. Yeah. It all goes back to that. As a matter of fact, when Peter writes about this in his letter, he's, he talks about baptism that now saves you, not the removal of dirt from the body, yeah. but the, the promise of a good heart towards uh, God that saves you by the resurrection mm. of Jesus. So we can't just stop, you know, the promise of a good heart or, or the, the prayer to God for a good heart. It's, yeah. It could be translated either way. And so either your baptism, you're making a promise or you're, it's an act of prayer, which I think is interesting that, that, that that's an act of prayer. But it's by the resurrection of Jesus, the water has no value in and of itself. Yeah. It is it's the resurrection of Jesus that makes the difference in how we respond to him. Yeah. So, uh, and Hebrews eleven six. I mean, uh, without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him has to believe that he exists and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So we see that faith, yeah. recognizing what Jesus did and trusting that over anything I could do. Right. There's nothing I'm going to do that will save myself only trusting what he has already done. Mm. So, but I think the question becomes, in, well, well, how do you show that? Right. Right? How do you show that trust? And that's really what we see in the book of Acts. There's a, there's a first response to that. Yeah. So uh, uh, I will say this. Um, we've talked about the five-finger exercise in the Restoration Churches, you know, hearing, believing, repenting, confessing, and being baptized. Mm. Because the process that someone goes through and you read about it in the book of Acts to be saved. They have to hear about Jesus. You know, no one's going to believe in him if they don't hear about him. Uh, And then they have to, do we believe that he was the sinless son of God or not? Do we believe that he lived on earth? Do we believe what the gospels tell us? And in this case specifically, what did Luke write in his gospel followed by Acts? Uh, Do we believe those things about him? And I've talked to people who are wondering if about baptism and they're not sure they know enough. Yeah. And they, their fear is they need to know a little bit more than they already know. Mm. And really all you have to know is, do I believe that Jesus is the son of God, the sinless son of God who died for my sins, yeah. was crucified three mm. days later, raised from the dead and is now at the right hand of the father as Luke tells us. Right. Uh, do I believe that? And if you do, what are you going to do with it? You have mm. to do something because of that. Something changes because you believe this. Yeah. So that's, that's the beginning of that conversation. We yeah. also say that you confess, you know, hear, believe, repent. 
that's just meaning right uh i'm I'm changing my ways i'm going to confess that these things this is not anyone's fault but mine i have to change the direction of my life so it's not just saying i was wrong it's saying i was wrong and i'm changing my life confessing what it is that's that's i know that i'm wrong i'm not living the way jesus would have me live so i have to change that uh, and so hearing, believing, repenting, confessing, and then the response that we continually see in the, in the book of Acts is baptism. Right. All one big process. Yeah. I don't, you know. So we'll talk about baptism specifically, I think, here in a moment. Yes, we will. But, but I want, you know, to understand it's, it's a pro- there's a big process there. Yeah. That begins with hearing and then believing. Mm. And that, that doesn't just happen usually in one shot. That's usually over a period of time. Right. And then you have to make some decisions about these other things as well. Am I going to repent? Am I going to confess? Yeah. You know, so. And one of the phrases I love to use in that explanation is you have to make some decisions about some other things. Uh, Because while, yes, the essential for salvation is faith through Christ Jesus alone and his grace and his finished work on the cross, we do get to make some, we have to make some other decisions because of that, right? About things that we believe, right? And so here at MCC, we have a statement of faith, right? Uh, which is uh, important to what we believe about Jesus and his finished work on the cross. Rich, I was wondering if you could just explain to us a little bit about what someone might find in our statement of faith and, and why it's important for us at MCC that we continually refer to that as a teaching team and how we approach our teaching messages. Sure. Um, it, it's, it's not like we're picking out the points that are most important to us because, you know, really, like, statement of faith, like, we believe the whole Bible, I, I joke and say, you know, from Genesis to the maps. Right. Um, you know, you believe all of it, but in a statement of faith, sometimes what you're looking for um, is um, largely um, viewed by people, again, like Mike say, or people with a faith background, mm. as opposed to people coming to faith. They wouldn't even think of something like that as right. being a thing that's, that's necessary. Um, but uh, when you go to our website, and click the about us you can see the what we believe mm. and there's a few simple statements at the top and then at the bottom you can see our bylaws and the, the this document that we're referring to our statement of faith yeah and it's those things that people are wondering what do you believe about this issue and that issue mm. and and you know you you can go to some churches websites uh, and where they say what what do you believe about scripture and they'll say that they believe it's a a book with great moral teachings, but it was a book written by man for men and um, kind of not going there as saying it is the complete revealed word of God. Yeah. It is what we need to make right decisions. Yeah. Uh, mm. and, and they don't put it in the position of authoritative. Yeah. Um, and that's so that everything else can have a little bit of wiggle room. And uh, in our statement of faith that we, we, we say that we believe that the Bible is God's inerrant word. Yeah. Uh, not necessarily endorsing every translation right. of the word, but uh, that those original manuscripts mm. are what God wanted us to have um, uh, as, a, as a means of understanding his nature, his character, and, and what living on mission looks like. Yeah, that's, that's really good. Uh, and I love that you said... Uh, the Bible is authoritative, and that's what we believe here at MCC. Because the Bi- if the Bible is not authoritative, then, man, it, it crumbles the yeah. arguments or the things that we do believe, right? If the Bible is not authoritative, then how can Jesus be Lord of my life? Right. How can I have grace through faith alone to be saved? Like, right. 
if the Bible is not authoritative, then man, we just lose all of that. Uh, so I love digging into that just a little bit. Mike, you alluded to earlier that we're going to get into a conversation <laughs> about baptism because a common question that we often receive in first steps. I know I've received this question before. You've received this question. I believe you've even received this question, Rich, uh, is this question around baptism. Sure. And it really comes from people who've been following Jesus for a long time, mm -hmm. who maybe haven't been to a Church of Christ, Christian church, non-denominational church before. They've been a part of some other denomination sure. that has some different thoughts about baptism. But the question is, is baptism really essential for salvation? And so since I have both of you in the hot seat today, I wanted to ask sure. it. Is baptism essential for salvation? Yeah. I, so normally, uh, I have my initial two responses to that is, I really hate that question. Um, <laughs> uh, it, it feels a little bit like you want to date my daughter, how far is too far to go Ooh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Uh, except the opposite of that. Um, what, what's the least I can do? Or do I really have to do all these things? Right. Um, these responses. Uh, but the other thing is, uh, part of what I tell people is, m my job as a, as a leader here is not to, to tell you what the Bible doesn't say, it's to tell you what the Bible does say. Mm. And so it's fair to say that nowhere in Scripture does it say that if you're not baptized, you're going to hell. Yeah. So th those, that sentence does not occur in Scripture. Uh, and so, you know, I want, to, I want people to understand that. However... Yeah. However, every time you see somebody make a decision about who Jesus is going to be in their life, even when you don't get the conversation. Yeah. I mean, there's so many opportunities or examples in Acts. We have no conversation recorded. All we know is that they talked about Jesus, and the first response of the person is, oh, I need to be baptized. Yeah. Well, why in the world? How do they get to that conclusion? What takes them there? Yeah. So uh, that's, part of, that's part of my uh, response to that. Mm -hmm. And then we just walk through, you know, what baptism means. Yeah. Really, it's not, so I, I don't want to say anything against something. I want to tell what we're for here right. and why we believe what we believe. Sure. Um, one of the illustrations that I use when I talk with people about this, because it's kind of a transactional question, they're looking for at what point on this continuum mm. okay I've, I've got the nailed down not yeah. going to hell card in my <laughs> possession you know yeah. Wh yeah. where does that happen you know what if i i die on the way to the church mm. to get into the baptistry and i haven't been baptized am i going to hell now yeah what if i slip on the steps and fall out of the water rather than into the water I've, yes <laughs> i've seen some of that happen oh, before boy. right yeah. um but the the illustration that i use with with people is, um, you know, m the relationship I have with my wife. Um, I loved her yeah. well before we traded rings. Mm. We went through a ceremony yeah. um, that was done at a church by a pastor. We made promises, um, trying to, you know, link our hearts and ask God to bless what he had already given us and, and, and do only what God can do, make it more. Uh, but before we traded rings, did I, I love her less? Was I less committed to her before? Well, I would have died for her. Yeah. But um, when I honored God with that relationship, I took another step and God blessed it and he made it more and continues to do so, you know, to this, to this day. Mm -hmm. And so I, I agree with Mike, the, the, is, is baptism essential for salvation? Feels like the wrong question because yeah. 
it's clear when you look at the New Testament pattern that that was the re response to mm -hmm. hearing the gospel message to repent and make this con conscious decision to submit to King Jesus uh, and the Holy Spirit to sanctify my heart. But I'm going to do that, and I'm going to do this ceremony that, that it existed yeah. before Jesus commissioned it. There were people who were being uh, baptized into all kinds of sects. Right. Uh, in, well, in, John the baptizer, right, was baptizing people in the wilderness. Right. And right. he didn't even invent it. Right. Right. Um, and so uh, he took this thing that existed and he gave it new new purpose and meaning. And man, is it symbolic mm. of, of what's happening. But, you know, I have jokingly, playfully said to people, you know, the, the same water line that runs to the baptistry goes to the drinking fountain and the toilet. You know, yeah. it's, it's, it's not that pool that's special right. it's it's obedience yeah. we're doing this as an outward symbol of this inward c commitment and confession that we that we've made and right. why would you want to separate it yeah and yeah it, that's really the question why 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 would you separate something that scripture yeah continues to bring together oh that's good so uh is it is now when we can talk about what happens at baptism or what the Bible talks about with baptism? Yeah. It's now a good time. Now, I think now is a great segue because I love how Romans puts it. Okay. Uh, right. So Romans, uh, in Paul's writing, he says, we are buried with Christ yeah. in death when we are placed under the water. Mm -hmm. And then we are raised to new life just as he was raised to new life right. when we come out of that water. So there is, right, so while it is this beautiful ceremony, there is this very deep spiritual thing happening there. You want to go into that a little bit? Well, I mean, it's, it is the, sim, uh, the symbol, symbolism of our actions, mm. you know, the death, burial, and resurrection. So uh, we, we align ourselves with yeah. that action then, being buried with him uh, through our baptism. Which So, I mean, it, it's symbolic, yeah. but, but there's significance to that. Uh, Paul would say that we, we clothe ourselves with Christ in our baptism, yeah, which is, that's a real interesting picture. You're putting Jesus on like you would put a, a robe on or a tunic on, or we put our sh our pants and shirts or whatever on today. Yeah. We're actually clothing ourselves. There's a putting on. Uh, Peter would say that again, and I mentioned this before, but either it is a promise to God of a pure heart, so yeah. we're making a promise to God in this act, or we're asking God for something. In this act, mm. I'm asking you for a pure heart. I don't yeah. have it on my own. I'm asking you. For, but either way, I mean, it's significant. Yeah. Uh, the fact that when Jesus at the end of, so it's in Matthew. It's not in Luke's gospel, but it's the end of Matthew where he's giving the marching orders to the church. The Great Commission. Yes. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. And I will always be with you, even to the very end of the age, uh, which is all incredibly significant. Yeah. But it's interesting that right after he says, after you help someone make this decision to follow me, you baptize them, and then you just keep teaching them for the rest of their life mm. what it means to follow me. But the, those words, and I didn't know this until just a few years ago, uh, I was reading a book by Dr. Cottrell about baptism. Yeah. And he said that phrase, uh, into the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You're actually being baptized into the triune God, the Trinity, yep. uh, which is, that's interesting in and of itself. But it was also used in the marketplace. 
when you were purchasing something, when I was going to purchase a piece of property, yeah. it would be purchased into my name. So I'm purchasing this product, kind of like what we do today when we sign documents. It's, it's in my name. It's in mine and Sandy's name. Yeah. Um, when we are baptized into the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, it's a transition of ownership. Yeah. We're putting ownership of our life uh, from ourselves to the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, which that that's not an insignificant uh, part of what our baptism is. Yeah. Sure. I mean, I think that's what Paul was referring to in Corinthians where he says you were bought at a price. Yes. Mm. Therefore, honor God with your body. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I love all of that. But when you read through the book of, of Acts, you know, whether it is Lydia, yeah. who uh, she believed and was baptized, and then, or the, the Philippian jailer who, after all of the commotion, the dust settles, uh, he says, man, you got to tell me more about this. And they talk to him and his family about Jesus, and immediately they're baptized. Or the yeah. Ethiopian eunuch, who's on a trip. He's, he's they stop, in a stop. chariot on his way somewhere. Yeah. And... Uh, he'd been reading Isaiah. Philip hops up in, talks to him, takes him from Isaiah to Jesus. That's all we're told. We're told nothing else uh, from Isaiah to Jesus. And his response is, well, there's water right there. We're passing a pond. We're passing a lake. We're passing a sea. Why can't I be baptized? Yeah. Why is that the response? Something, something Philip said had to trigger I mean, that. Yeah, that wasn't going to be just a natural response, I would yeah. think. So, and, and I love, uh, I want to say it's in Acts 22, and I hope that's right, where Philip is recounting, not Philip, Paul is recounting his, uh, uh, his encounter with Jesus and how Ananias comes to him, and, and he says his blindness goes away, and Ananias says, what are you waiting for? Yeah. Get up and be baptized, calling on the name of Jesus. So, w- when we talk about that, is baptism essential for salvation? I just don't know why we're trying to separate something. I, mean, I don't know what else s- we would try to remove from that. Would we yeah. want to remove hearing or believing or repenting or confessing or being baptized? So intertwined into the process. Yeah, it's all. That it's why all, wouldn't you do it? It's all the process. Right. And, and saying that doesn't equal baptism, that act, saves me. No, right. No, no. What saves me? Jesus. Right. Right. Period. His End grace. of story. His grace. What Jesus did. Right. Finished work on the cross. Right. Yes. This is just a response it's, to it's yeah. his, our his response grace. to what he has extended to us. Absolutely. So, yeah. And, and I, yeah, and, it's, I love it when people, they, I was caught just this past Sunday and someone said, I'm ready to do this. And one of the things I love here at MCC is that um, I know when I was growing up, it was like, I don't know that anyone ever said this. Hmm. I, don't, I don't know that anyone ever did. But you had to, be, had to be baptized by the preacher. Yeah. So, again, I don't think anyone said that. But that was kind of our practice. Nobody was baptized except for by the preacher. Right. And, uh, and so I, I remember my first Sunday here. It was Easter Sunday of uh, 2002. And the night before. So my first Sunday was Easter Sunday. By the way, the largest attendance of the year. I liked, uh, you know. Uh, but it may have been Easter. Um, but the night before, I get a call from, uh, from someone who said, hey, one of our teenagers just helped her friend come to know Jesus. She was wondering if she could be baptized tomorrow. <laughs> I was like, 
baptized on Easter Sunday? Are you kidding me? That's, that's the most awesome way to worship God. Is yeah. On Easter, to have someone make, you know, make that confession of their faith and, and be baptized into him. And so, uh, and they said, well, they were wondering if it would be okay if their friend baptized them since they're the one who helped them come to know Jesus. Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah. Because I, it would have been strange if I had done it. Right. I didn't even know that person. It's your first uh, Sunday. It was my first Sunday. I didn't really know anybody. And so, yeah, to, that just made sense. But it's interesting. The person who was talking to me Sunday said, you know, my friend is the one who's actually helped me come to this point. Would it be okay if they baptized me? Of course. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> that's, I think... Of the baptisms that have happened this year, I, I can only a few of the staff have been involved. Maybe yeah. maybe have all been involved with one person, but all the rest have been baptisms by parents, friends, small group leaders. Yeah, I mean, the day we're recording this tomorrow, we have a baptism of a student who's being baptized by a small group leader. Right? <laughs> That's so incredible. Yeah, sure. yeah that Still is great. Love it. Um, as we uh, kind of continue onward, one of the things I've noticed in my conversations with people is when they when they ask that question of baptism, right? They come from a tradition where maybe they practice something called confirmation, which is mm-hmm. common in a lot of things, sure. or they don't practice baptism the way we do. They they sprinkle, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, or they maybe practice infant baptism or something like that. And so that's really where some of the confusion can tend to get into right Uh, so as we as we approach the end of this conversation for the believer who grew up following a different tradition Mm -hmm. what might their next step be in this conversation oddly enough in the book of acts yeah (laughs) uh, there's a story of um, apollos who was a learned uh, jew from alexandria and the scripture says that he taught accurately about jesus but he Mm -hmm. only knew the baptism of john so um, he didn't have all of the story. There yeah. were things left for him to learn. And uh, it's in Acts chapter 18. And if you, you go and you look at that passage, um, these two church leaders, this husband and wife, invite him into their home yeah. um, and have this wonderful conversation. Now, we don't have the conversation, but it just says they invited him into their home to explain to him the way of the Lord more adequately. Uh, you know, as Paul Harvey used to say, the rest of the story. Yeah. And um, I think that that's kind of the, uh, that's a biblical response to here's where I am in my faith journey. And one mm-hmm. of our core values is like we, we recognize people aren't where we wish they were. So we're going to meet them where they are. Yeah. Um, not to, to trash it or tear it down, but right. to build on it. Uh, we have uh, people from all over. I, you know, like, what kind of church is MCC? And I'm like, you know, we're kind of a mutt. We're, we're, we're all kinds of faith backgrounds, no background, yeah. and we're all coming together and we're trying to learn uh, the, the nature, character of God and understand the, the mission that he's invited us to. Yeah. And um, we want to build on that and, and honor the story, uh, the investment that maybe your parents have made in getting you to, to this yeah. place or your friends who've invested. We just want to help them take another step because you know, we'll be learning, hopefully, until the, the day that we're called home. That's good. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the things that when people have talked to me about that, I, I want to remind them that the worst thing you can say about your parents, if you were sprinkled or as a child, was that your parents loved Jesus and they loved you 
and they wanted you to be together and that's what they knew to do that was yeah. that was their background and so they wanted to give you as much of a head start as they could yeah uh if your understanding of that has changed and it has for many people right because they read scripture and they you can see that baptism is a response that you make yep it's not that someone makes for you yeah right? it's not a decision someone else can make for you it's your decision to follow jesus and to make him lord of your life uh the king the messiah and so that that's for you to do and so mm. yeah we've had many people who when they come to that understanding you ah yeah this is a decision i need to make yeah. for me not that doesn't undo mom and dad that doesn't say anything bad about mom and dad yeah. or grandma or who, grandpa whoever this this just says this is my understanding from what i can see in scripture and they they make that decision which i just i appreciate their devotion to jesus yeah to want to do things mm -hmm. in a way that the bible you know has shown them yeah so i will yeah. say this we immerse people because that's what the word means yep so we're, we try to stay as close to scripture as we can we don't sprinkle people we don't sprinkle infants um, we have family dedication, but that's really, that's about families dedicating themselves to raising their children in a home that honors Jesus and gives them the best chance of, of making a decision about who Jesus will be in their life. But when it comes to someone being baptized, the mm -hmm. word actually means submerged entirely under the water. Yeah. And so every time it's used in the Bible, that's the word that's used. And so that, that is why we immerse people. Also why we tell people, be sure to bring a change of clothes. Yeah. Because you're going to get wet yep, <laughs> and you're not going to want to wear home what you wore in. So, yeah, that's so good. And Hey, uh, if you're watching this right now and you have questions about baptism, you want to talk to one of us or another pastor about baptism. We would love to have that conversation with you. You can get in touch with us uh, on our website. You can fill out a connect card or you can just simply email office at explorermcc.org. We'd be happy to have a conversation with you about baptism, but this kind of concludes our time together today right? Which for as a disciple maker, right? We must cling to the hope of who Christ is, his finished work on the cross. And we must repent and believe and be baptized because man, Jesus has done a good work and I want to live in that. So yeah. thank you guys for being a part of this. Yeah. We'll be back next week with another conversation in our podcast series. Have a good one.